Hi, all, and uh, welcome to the Capital Link Alternative Finance Panel. We have uh, quite an interesting group of uh, panelists, and I think we're going to have a really great discussion today. So I would like to start off because we have a lot of ground I'd like to cover. So I guess the first thing I'd like to do is to hear from each of our panelists, describe um, the platform, the types of services and products your platform offers, and maybe a little bit of strategy that your platform tries to employ. So why don't we start with Ole first, please? Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me to the panel. Um, you know, these are you know, uh, as, as, the, as the, the, the Chinese uh, the word is, uh, you know, may you live in interesting times. And uh, I guess we, we are in the middle of it uh, right now. I run um, SFL Corporation. Um, it's, a, it's a ship owning company. We own, uh, you know, uh, nearly 90 vessels and also, you know, some, some drilling rigs. Generally very long-term charters. Um, we have a backlog of uh, $3.6 billion. Uh, fixed rate plus uh, we also have some vessels in the spot market been in the business now for 16 plus years uh, and have the distinction of being the only shipping company I would think in the world right now that's uh, been both consistently profitable every quarter and paid dividend every quarter over this prolonged period so we uh, we stood firm uh, through the financial turmoils in 2009 we stood firm through the tanker crisis in 2011 and the offshore crisis in 2016. Uh, and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we will do our best also in, uh, in the market that we see right now. Great, thank you. That's, a, that's an optimistic opening. So um, maybe we can turn to Nicholas now and, and get a, an idea of, um, of the work that you do. Yes, uh, we um, represent Burnley Securities on the panel. We're a maritime and energy focused uh, investment bank uh, with offices in Oslo, New York. We've raised roughly uh, $10 billion over the last uh, four years or so to the maritime industry. Uh, I represent the asset backed finance team, uh, which has uh, basically six staff across uh, three different offices. We have some people in Hong Kong and Tokyo as well. And what we do is we primarily focus on, you know, the growing demand for alternative finance products, such as lease financing, direct lending, etc. Um, you know, we have capital providers across the globe. We work with uh, people like uh, Hans and Ola and talk to them on a regular basis. But we also source a lot of our capital in uh, Japan and, uh, and uh, China. We see the space as you know, infinitely, infinitely interesting because demand is growing day by day. You know, there's a more and more limited number of companies that can, uh, um, that can access uh, traditional uh, bank debt. So we think these are interesting times and uh, we've been busy. We uh, raised about uh, $650 million of capital, uh, asset-backed finance capital last year. And we aim to do uh, at least that this year as well. Great. Okay. Thank you, uh, Robert Yan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, direct ship finance? Yes, pleased to do so. Um, with direct ship finance, we offer uh, plain vanilla bank style senior secured uh, uh, financing. We aim to launch with a four hundred million dollar 
uh, fund with committed institutional capital in uh, Q2. Our main focus is on uh, what I would say European and US-based shipping companies, uh, privately owned, uh, family owned, with a fleet of somewhere between five and 25 uh, vessels. Uh, our focus is, uh, is very much on what we call liquid assets, meaning dry bulk, crude, product, chemicals, LPG, uh, and containers. Um, um, if we look at uh, if, if if you look at the typical ship uh, shipping client for uh, direct ship finance, it is like I said, privately owned, family owned. We value very much um, what we call integrated ship owners, meaning uh, owners that are directly involved in either commercial management and or uh, ship management. Uh, in other words, uh, being active in the market. Where do we differ from uh, other alternative lenders and, and, and especially uh, the traditional shipping banks? It's probably our underwriting uh, methodology. We, uh, we focus very much on the earning capacity of the underlying assets, uh, a little bit more than on uh, loan to value. Um, and within that framework, we can have flexibility. We, uh, in a high market, we can do higher leverage loans uh, in most cases, uh, with a front-loaded repayment schedule, but at the same time in a low market, and maybe we are heading for that today, we can look at, um, uh, and to support anti-cyclical financing, we can look at uh, back-loaded repayment schedules, uh, basically to support uh, the, uh, the cash flow uh, in the early days, if needed. Um, we have a team with, with direct ship finance. We have a team with uh, uh, experienced people with a track record in shipping and in ship finance. And we understand the dynamics and uh, uh, the cyclicality and sometimes the volatility of, uh, of shipping. And we, uh, we make sure that this is reflected in a direct ship finance uh, structure. Okay, great, thank you. Hans. We've, we've done this uh, panel before, uh, but uh, why, why don't you give us a little bit of information on uh, Sole Shipping? Hi, Amanda. Happy to be with you again. <laughs> uh, Sole Shipping has, for the last 15 years, been doing sales packs on bearable basis. Uh, so this is our speciality, and we, we stick to our formula. Then we have uh, 35 vessels. Primarily tankers, but we also have LPG vessels and cement carriers and chemical tankers and uh, some open hatch vessels. We currently have an EBTA, contracted EBTA of 570 million. We've recently raised a new fund, so we with 150 million dollars. Initially, we will hopefully close it by 225 to 250 million dollars end of this year, Corona allowing us to come back to market. But essentially, we have funds to invest and are willing to do sales packs uh, in all sectors. Our primary targets are industrial ship owners who would like to refinance their vessels. So we are uh, we're keen to do business and work closely with our uh, clients, partners. Great. Good, good to hear that uh, people are still uh, interested in doing business, especially in these 
uncertain times. And I, that brings us to George um, from uh, Yield Street Marine Finance, which is a relatively new and, and very interesting platform. So George, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Thank you. Yes, so uh, Yield Street uh, is an online uh, investment platform. Um, on the one hand, uh, we have retail investors uh, that can log on to our tech platform within a few minutes. Um, once we put a uh, opportunity, investment opportunity online, uh, we socialize it. Uh, we provide the prospectuses and uh, then we have a designated time. We said like next uh, Tuesday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time, uh, this investment opens up. Uh, for participation and uh, participation uh, varies between say uh, 10 and 20 or $30,000. Um, on the other hand, we act like a private equity. So we have our own funds uh, and we fund uh, an opportunity. So a ship owner wants to raise uh, 20, $30 million. We look at the uh, opportunity uh, if we decide to go with it uh, we will fund it and then a few weeks later we will offer it uh, to our retail investors um, our uh, we see ourselves as um, uh, uh, op opportunistic um, uh, and money so uh, we are very quick so for example uh, ship owners that want to um, buy their debt back from a private equity, we are able to uh, give them the money very quickly so that they can go and buy this debt back and then refinance this uh, with bank debt um, over a year or six months or 18 months. So um, we, we are uh, in dry bulk, uh, we've done some tankers, we've done some containers, uh, and um, just to give you the, the growth, um, uh, when we started in uh, 2018, in May, uh, we had $300 million of assets under management and about 50,000 investors. Uh, today, we have more than 250,000 investors and uh, $1.2 billion of assets under management. Uh, we don't only do marine finance, we do art finance, we do um, real estate uh, bridge financing and uh, vendor financing. Okay, great. So thanks, thank you for, uh, for letting us know what you each do. I mean, as you can see, we have different types of platforms here um, who can give us all different sorts of perspectives on alternative finance and Perhaps I think we should probably turn to, um, you know, the, the, the main issue that we're all focusing on right now, which is this very recent and significant economic downturn that uh, has been occurring, mostly with respect to um, the novel coronavirus and how, um, you know, the stock markets are obviously not doing particularly well and businesses are having to close or, or, or you know, we're, we're working from home. And so I'd be curious to know what, you know, the panelists think about 
doing new deals or what the prospects are for new financings in these really pretty uncertain times. And so maybe we can start off with, with Ole. And, and as you mentioned, um, SFL is a, is a publicly listed company. Um, it's paid dividends uh, every quarter since 2004. And I would imagine that SFL would like to kind of maintain that track record. And so I guess, you know, keeping that in mind, how do these kind of macro global events affect <clears throat> the decisions made at, at SFL? And is SFL interested in doing new financings at this time? Well, yes. Um, first, first and foremost, I would say that, you know, this is affecting us all. Uh, it's a very dramatic uh, sort of time in, in the world economic history, probably. Uh, and, and we're all in the middle of it. Uh, some see it sooner. Typically, for instance, our share price took, uh, took a real turn, uh, uh, you know, a week or so ago. Uh, where we, you know, where we as a relatively liquid stock in the market, uh, you know, where, where, where every money investors were selling off whatever they could and wherever there was uh, liquidity. So you see more volatility from that perspective, uh, typically on, on in liquid instruments. And just just as an example, you know, week of March 18, you know, there was uh, more than 35 billion dollar of cash taken out of the investment grade market in, in the U.S. alone. So there's been a huge flow of fund effectively moving away from risk where, where, where investors want to take it over, put it over in, I would say, cash and, and, and uh, you know, call it uh, an assets where there is a less, there is a smaller risk of, uh, of anything sort of happening to it. Um, so, and, and the same thing we see with the banks, uh, the banks have had huge draws on, on revolving credits where basically all large corporates have drawn down uh, available lines wherever they could to to you know build robustness uh, going into going into the storm, um, and and as we are and still in and you know based on what 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 I read we're still at relatively early stages in terms of um, the, the 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 outspread of the pandemic. It's it it will take some time until it cools down. I think in that period we will we will have to expect that. Financiers will be more cautious uh, and certainly much more selective, I think, than than in the past. I think you know strong com strong companies, uh, you know strong brand names, also in this industry, will have uh, good um, availability uh, for for capital. Uh, but uh, I think there will be many who will struggle to find funding now near term. Um, so so smaller companies uh, with refinancings coming up may have to turn elsewhere than the regular bank because the whole uh, capital environment uh, has changed. You know, we and I'm sure some of our fellow, uh, you know, friends here on the panel, uh, we are definitely open for business. We are looking at transactions. Um, of course, price and terms uh, is changing, you know, somewhat with the market, uh, but uh, I would say not as dramatic as we've seen in, in, in other sectors where we've seen a massive repricing of, uh, of capital in the industry. Um, I know that some of the others have more, I would say, you know, um, have, have, have a slightly different types of, of capital uh, backing it. We're listed. We use the bond market, we use the leasing market, uh, and we use the bank market. Uh, but I think uh, this is going to affect uh, all these markets uh, in, in, in relatively short term. So our principal focus, of course, right now, first and foremost, 
you know, we have many vessels, uh, we have lots of seafarers on board our vessels. Uh, we, we are, of course, committed to make sure that they are safe, they are, uh, you know, comfortable in the situation, the vessels are running as they should. Um, and then uh, secondary, we, we of course uh, focus on the whole financing uh, environment and how we can best position us, us in, in the new setting. But it's, it's dramatic for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's right that, you know, this this uh, situation is affecting, you know, everyone. And I guess my question uh, for, is my next question is for Robert Jan. Um, you know, direct ship finance offers potential borrowers kind of a loan application process through its online portal. And it seems that um, part of direct ship finance's offering is allowing borrowers to kind of tailor some of the loan terms um, to its own needs. And I guess the question is, have the terms that direct ship finance is kind of willing to accept um, or offer changed considering these kind of uncertain economic times we're in? Um, or, you know, kind of piggybacking on what, what Oli said, there's the types of customers that direct ship finance is willing to work with currently, you know, changed at all or, or been limited? Uh, no, basically not. I mean, obviously the shipping markets have been uh, uh, quite nervous over the last uh, two quarters or so. Uh, that started with the US-China trade war, uh, followed by the corona situation uh, in China, including a prolonged uh, Chinese New Year. Then, of course, we had the IM, uh, IMO 2020 uh, transition from high silver to low silver that created some unrest, especially on the dry bulk side, I think. And then, of course, recently, the, the, the drop in oil prices. Um, uh, looking at that, if you approach it optimistically, and that's what I always try to do, you may argue that all these, these events are uh, temporarily. Um, whether that is true, to be honest, I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I'm too naive in this respect. I don't know. We will have to see. But as I explained earlier, we uh, our underwriting methodology is based on a through-the-cycle approach, uh, meaning that we can finance in, uh, in in a high market, but also in a low market. But obviously, we we amend the the financing structures to um, to where we are in the cycle. That is basically the situation. Understood. So, so George, um, a few months ago, I, I moderated it an uh, alternative finance panel at a Capital Link conference, and one of your colleagues was on the panel. And so we were able to kind of witness how quickly a yield stream offering um, can sell out. And so I guess my question to you is, um, have you seen any sort of increasing or decreasing interest in ship finance deals, maybe from a, a crowdfunding perspective? Yes, yeah, so um, the, as you said, the um, opportunities that we are, the offerings that we put uh, onto the platform um, get taken up very quickly. Uh, as you, I don't know which one you saw, but it, it usually takes um, uh, just under, 20, 30 seconds and these offerings get absorbed. So um, we've since, um, you may have seen in the market done, um, uh, partnered with BlackRock to get um, uh, bigger offerings onto the platform together with our offerings. And 
provide a, um, a, a, a mixed offering of, of debt and, um, and, and our offerings. Um, and you, uh, you talked about uh, the situation uh, now, and what we have seen is um, we get, we've been getting phone calls and, and uh, emails, communications in the last uh, few weeks, where uh, because we are situational funders, uh, where owners uh, see an opportunity and uh, realize or understand that it'll take the bank a long time for them to give them a hunting license to be able to uh, make that acquisition. So we are working with uh, such owners that are looking at opportunities uh, in uh, where they find a situation that, that is interesting to them. Yeah, and I, and I think that one, one, you know, obviously alternative finance, there are multiple different types of products and services and platforms out there. It's a very kind of general term, but you know, two themes that seem to kind of run across alternative finance platforms is flexibility and, and like George was saying, the, the ability to move relatively quickly, or at least usually more quickly than, than banks. And so I would imagine that alternative finance platforms could provide, you know, pretty good solutions in the short term or maybe even the long term for some ship owners that are in need of quick financing. And so Hans, you know, ha has solely been approached by, by ship owners uh, in need of quick financing and, or refinancing. Uh, and if so, kind of how do you deal with those requests? Is that something that Sole is interested in doing right now? Well, Amanda, actually we did, but this was before Christmas, we did a very quick deal where we did an, an old cash deal. <laughs> so we can act quickly. Of course, now in the situation where now there are also logistical issues, which is, which is like uh, you cannot get anybody on board the ship to inspect, for instance. You can't send people around. You can't take over it for a client. You can't go and buy a ship and put a new crew on because it simply doesn't work. But we, as a fund, we have we have the capacity to do the transaction. So we are we were in discussions a couple of days ago with a client that may look at selling one of their ships to us, and we may have to see if we can find alternative solutions in, with regards to inspecting the ships and so forth. Um, but uh, one also has to take into account that the market out there now is uh, bombed out, that it's uh, difficult to have a view on where the market is going. So yes, there is a lot of caution. We have to be cautious. But we will certainly talk to our clients if they have a need. Okay, so so Nicholas, what what advice would you give to a ship owner who's looking for kind of a really quick financing, quick turnaround, maybe even to keep their their doors open? You know, what are the kind of the pros and cons of entering into a transaction with an alternative, you know, lender? You know, keeping in mind that obviously most lenders, even alternative platforms are, are being kind of cautious in, in, these, in these current circumstances? Well, I think the landscape has certainly changed quite a lot um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, we closed the transaction two days ago uh, and we do see that some of the Asian money is quite sticky. Um, so some of our Japanese and Chinese sources are definitely open for business albeit you know uh more selectively and then cautiously 
But in the past, you know, I would have told most ship owners that were in need of a quick solution to talk to some of the larger listed players like, you know, SFL or uh, Ocean Yield, et cetera, because our experience in working with, with lessors like that is that, you know, they always, they can always underwrite, they can always do transactions with cash and then back lever later on. Um, I think that has changed a bit in recent weeks because what we hear is that the, the traditional lenders are extremely cautious. And if you're a, I don't want to speak for Ole here, but you know, okay, let's take the Ocean Yield example. If you're an Ocean Yield and, and uh, you do a transaction and you fund it all cash, first of all, you know, having a lot of cash on your balance sheet in these uncertain times is very valuable. So expanding that in the transaction and being stuck uh, with the transaction being fully cash or equity funded, not knowing when you can back lever the transaction is going to be an issue. So that leaves the capital providers, if we disregard the Asians, because they're usually very slow, you know, you want to do a transaction in Japan or China, that's generally going to take between two and six months. So that's probably not the solution in the scenario you, you mentioned. That leaves the direct lenders, I would say, and most of those are you know, uh, more opportunistic. Uh, a lot of those pockets come from uh, credit funds and hedge funds. And the cost of that capital is usually fairly high. We're talking sort of L plus 600 and upwards, at least, at least. So I think if you were in a hurry today and you needed to have certainty of, of uh, financing, you know, you have to expect to pay a very high cost. Uh, you know, if you think about equity as an alternative, I think the cost of equity for a shipping company today is just pick a number. You know, it's certainly, it's very high. I don't know who could raise equity today except for companies that have a super solid balance sheet and maybe identify some proceeds that make sense. So, you know, I would tell anyone uh, that's in that situation, if you're in a rush, uh, it's going to cost you. If you have, you know, a couple of months to spare, let's say it's a refinancing in maturities three, four months down the line, uh, we'll take you to Asia and we'll find you some cheaper capital. It'll take longer, but it'll be much cheaper than, than what's readily available out there. Okay, thank you. Well, since we were talking about SFL, we might as well uh, jump, jump to Ole. And I guess the, the question that I would have is, um, you know, we talk a lot about the funding gap that's, that's been created since kind of traditional shipping banks have left the lending space and and I guess you know do you, does SFL kind of view that funding gap as an opportunity or considering these kind of uncertain economic times would that be something that maybe SFL or, or alternative finance lenders in general instead of maybe rushing to fill that funding gap you know maybe maybe pulling back a little bit so I guess the question is do you see any opportunities in, in this current environment or is it more of a wait and see approach? Well, yeah, first of all, I don't think there is an issue with capital availability for the industry. Um, it's really more a question, where is it coming from and what's the price of that capital? I think uh, if you go back a few years and certainly before the financial crisis, call it the shipping space specifically was, was awash with, call it lots of banks who were lending at super low margins and we're, we're betting on you know that the, the volatility had stopped that all changed um, you know after the financial crisis in 2008 2009 
Um, and, uh, and also with the new capital rules, particularly in Europe, uh, the new Basel rules, Basel III, Basel IV, you know, it has also triggered a really a, a, a change in where the capital is coming from. Um, as Nicholas uh, pointed out, uh, there's been a lot of capital coming into the, our little industry from Asia, both uh, particularly China and, and Japan. Um, and, uh, and we and, and several others have, have financed uh, you know, and have raised a lot of capital in those markets uh, over the last uh, few years. I believe you know, the Norwegian, so not the regions, or European banks have roughly half their portfolio compared to where they were just a few years ago, but the money uh, has come from, from other places. And, um, uh, but, but that capital may be a little more expensive than they have been used to. Uh, and um, I think that's uh, really more a question of, you know, do, do those investors who put the money in, if it's a bank or a private equity or who it is, do they really understand the volatility that ship owners expose themselves to? Because if there is one thing that's really, you know, uh, illustrating shipping or, 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 or representative ship, it's, it's, it's uh, leverage. Typically, shipping companies they have high operational leverage, and with that I mean they run their vessels in the spot market, you don't know necessarily from day to day what the charter rate will be. You may look in the mirror and say, well, it's been relatively stable, but of course something could happen and, and it could go to zero. If you then have high financial leverage or you have high lease uh, you know, payments due, you, know, you will end up in a liquidity squeeze uh, sooner perhaps than you, than you thought. Um, and, and that is of course important to understand that you know, the reason why shipping companies go bust from time to time uh, is uh, liquidity uh, and uh, well, uh, availability of capital is is there definitely. Okay, thank you for that. So, so Robert Jan, what what do you what do you think? Do you kind of subscribe to this uh, funding gap philosophy, or, or do you think well, no, the the liquidity is there, it just maybe a little bit more more expensive. Um, do you think that alternative finance providers um, will you know, continue to be interested in providing a lot of capital to the shipping industry? Um, or again, if they don't, you know, what does that mean for the, for the shipping industry? I think, I think there will be a continued interest from alternative uh, lenders for, for ship finance. Uh, I, fully, I fully agree with uh, a lot of things that Ulu said. Um, I think that that also today's situation doesn't fundamentally change uh, uh, the demand for uh, alternative lending. I mean, the alternative lending or the demand for alternative lending is not created by uh, the situation where we where we are in today. It, it is it is something that that has developed over the years with uh, the traditional shipping banks, primarily in Europe, retreating from uh, from ship finance. Some some of the banks. Uh, exited. Some of the banks are uh, uh, actively reducing their exposure, and that and that leaves, of course, a void. And that void will be partly uh, uh, compensated by alternative lenders. But I think it will be, at the end of the day, a combination of uh, of factors. It will be it will be uh, in certain situations more equity contributions uh, from uh, owners, a more conservative approach. You will have, uh, for sure, the new uh, new providers uh, of uh, finance uh, in the Far East, in China, um, in Japan, the leasing houses, the trading houses. 
and you have a large variety of, uh, of uh, uh, alternative lenders. Um, uh, Yield Street, I think, is a very good example, and Direct Share Finance is, is a very good example. And I think uh, we may be a little bit more expensive than, let's say, the traditional bank financing, but we also offer more, far more tailor-made solutions uh, I don't know exactly what uh, the pricing level is uh, uh, of yield seats, for example, but they are for sure a lot more expensive uh, than we are. But at the same time, we, we have a slightly different product. But that, I think, is very interesting for a lot of owners, not to focus only on, uh, on the pricing element, but uh, also focus on the additional parameters uh, of uh, the different financing solutions. And I think there's a lot to be gained from, from the owner side in that respect. Okay, thank you. So I guess sw switching gears a little bit um, and kind of relating to these global and macro questions that we've been discussing, um, ESG has become an increasingly prevalent topic, especially with respect to the shipping industry and, and ship finance deals. Um, you know, there's the Getting to Zero Coalition, the Poseidon Principles, and that's just a couple of these ESG initiatives that have come out recently. And so I guess um, maybe I can throw this one to George since we just mentioned uh, Yield Street. Um, has Yield Street Marine been addressing the types of shipping deals that it does um, or the customers that it's working with? Um, from an ESG perspective, is there any sort of pressure from potential investors in, with, in regard to ESG matters? Shipping uh, uh, is a traditionally slow mover. Um, it was the last to come uh, into technology, uh, one of the last to uh, have these environmental laws come in, but uh, and, and it takes um, uh, a lot to um, change things from uh, one day to the other. It doesn't happen. So you need uh, different fuels. You need different ship designs. Uh, the, uh, the shipyards uh, need to source the engines. Uh, the engine manufacturers need to. Uh, be able to produce those engines. Um, so uh, shipping will get there. Um, I, I think any lender uh, that uh, thinks that they can impose uh, some kind of change uh, onto the shipping industry through its lending um, is mistaken. Uh, I, many years ago, I was um, part of a working group that uh, A&B Amber was on and we were going to um, uh, negotiate a better charter rate between the charterer and the ship owner if they were going to uh, retrofit their vessels. This never worked. Uh, and so I think shipping is doing a lot to change. It just takes time to get there. Okay, thank you. Han, so when you are assessing a new financing opportunity, um, how important is your counterparty's commitment to sustainability and crew care, corporate governance, things of that nature? Um, or is it really just to see, you know, about 
you know, how well the, the, uh, the company kind of can perform from a financial perspective. ESG is very important to us. Um, and we have to deal with this, of course, with our investors, our bankers, and our counterparties. And I think that we've seen in the last uh, six months uh, documentation, when doing documentation, either it be a Bebot uh, charter party or a loan document, and they usually go hand in hand. You have to have all parties around the table and get, let's say, the Poseidon principles into the documents that you do, because this, of course, also is required by some of the lenders. So it's definitely something that is on the agenda. It is something that we have in our charter parties. It's something that we follow up with our clients on a quarterly basis. I think it, it, it will be key, and it is, it is key, and it will be key in the future. Uh, to do some business in the maritime industry. So Ole, obviously as a public company, SFL has some unique pressures uh, with respect to keeping its shareholders happy. Uh, have you been experiencing um, any in increasing pressure from current investors or potential investors um, with respect to your platform as far as financing more kind of ESG committed borrowers? Well, you know, ESG is important for us as everybody else. Um, you know, we have our head office uh, located in Europe. I think Europe has been, you know, call it a little quicker on the adaptation on ESG measures than than maybe some in the in the US. So, so that we have we have an ESG report available on our website. So we focus on this. We typically deal with larger counterparties. We have Maersk as a large counterparty. We have Philips sixty six and others. Um, so, so this is this goes really to the heart of what we do. Also, in terms of ship developments, we're very focused on that. We look at you know new technology. We look at upgrading existing vessels. So, so we we spend a lot of time on this. At the same time, uh, you know, a ship after all, it's you have to push you know a lot of mass through water through a lot of resistance. Uh, so it's not like you can just uh, put, uh, you know, Tesla type batteries on board a vessel and, and off you go. Um, you know, analysts say that if you if you use Tesla type batteries for a Cape size bulker from Brazil to, to China, for instance, you know, it will be 90% the batteries and 10% uh, cargo. So we are quite far away technology wise until we are, you know, super green. But at the same time, it's a very cheap and energy efficient way to move raw material. So I think compared to many other transportation modes, shipping has always been a relatively uh, you know, efficient and, uh, way to, to move uh, you know, goods, also from an environment uh, perspective. Okay, great. Well, I think we're, we're almost running out of time. So I want to give the last question, I guess, to Nicholas and, and ask, and, and this is a tough question to answer, but kind of what, what is your outlook for 2020 for ship financing deals? Will we see more of them, less of them, different types of them? Well, you know, obviously these are a bit uncertain times, but to the best of your ability, what, what are your predictions for uh, 2020? Well, you know, I think there are um, two things that characterize at least alternative capital side of, of uh, ship financing. Uh, I think it's uh, diversity uh, and fragmentation. Um, you know, by now this product has grown so big with so many players across the globe, 
that have different types of funding sources that have different focus areas, not only in terms of segments or asset types, but also structures, etc. That I really think that there's something out there uh, for, for most companies, meaning that, you know, whether you're a tier one, in relative terms, large cap uh, listed shipping company, there are no super large cap listed shipping companies, but you know what I mean? Uh, or if you're a private ship owner that owns 10 ships, there will be a solution in, uh, or there will be, there should be a space in your toolbox uh, for alternative financing. You know, as an example, we've done financings for uh, Starbulk in the Japanese market. Uh, they're the largest listed dry cargo owner. And we've also done deals for extremely small European ship owners with four ships on their fleet list. And I think that we will see that this product will take more and more space uh, as the banks continue to pull back. I think that this credit arbitrage that has been extremely good for companies like SFL, uh, Ocean Yield, and, and other players that have access to that uh, back, cheap back leverage, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. If that credit arbitrage uh, continues, I think companies like that will have extremely bright times ahead of them. If not, I think ship owners looking at alternative capital will just have to start getting used to capital getting substantially more expensive. So I think there will be deals, but I think cost of debt is certainly going up in 2020. Okay, well, I've been... I've been told that the, the, our time is up. I'd like to thank all of our panelists for joining us. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope uh, this has been informative to all of our viewers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.